sermon tonight is called Secret Place. And again, a lot of times I'll be in the room praying. Um, the, Lord, the, the Lord showed me something. Brother Hagin made a statement on one of the CDs that I was listening to. It's a very old CD, old, old teaching. And he said at the very beginning of Pentecost, the, the assemblies of God and the church of God, the very beginning, pastors all got their sermons in prayer. They didn't, they didn't do it like we do today. They didn't go study. And now he said most of the, most of the pastors were prophets, early Pentecost. And um, I've had it happen to where I'm on the way to church, and the Lord will tell you, I want you to do this. Sunday night, when we have prayer meetings in here, we never walk in with an agenda. I clear my head. I don't, I don't even try to think about what we're going to do. And it seems like every time we do, there's always something the Holy Ghost wants us to hear. And it's probably more of a church service than Sunday morning, a real one. And it's Holy Ghost, just a pure Holy Ghost meeting. Uh, you can't do that on every meeting. You think you can, but you can't. But, but a lot of the times when I'm about to preach, the Lord will say, I want you to do something. So tonight, he said, I want you to teach on the secret place. I want you, and we're going to talk about fellowshipping with God, not just having a relationship with God. You and I, God did not save you so you could go to heaven. You know that. You do get to go to heaven. But heaven is heaven because God is there. He saved you because he wants children. He, he thinks the same of you as you do your children, your children. Now, one of the things that I, I love, you know, and I, I don't know whether it's my age. I'll have to ask Betty May. She'll know the answer to this. But the older you get, the more valuable family becomes. The more someone asks me, what do you want for your birthday? I said, I just want to be with my kids. You know, I mean, stuff after a while that. You don't, you know, I have stuff. I've never had a gun kiss me yet. And I don't want it to either. I really don't want it to. I don't want to hear it bark either. But anyway, unless it's barking at someone else. But you know, you get older, you begin to realize that the greatest things on this earth you do get to take to heaven is your family and your friends. And we will all be together forever. To some of y'all, you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Some of you said, oh, no. <laughs> Change churches now. I mean, you know, you... No, I'm teasing. I want to read something from John G. Lake's book. Um, it says, the real purpose of becoming a Christian is not to save yourself from hell or to be saved to go to heaven. It is to become a child of God with the character of Jesus Christ, to stand before men pledged unto the uttermost, even unto death, by refusing to sin, refusing to bow your head in shame, and preferring to die rather than dishonor the Son of God. What a powerful statement that he made. Let me read another one to you. Um, joy is in your spirit. Happiness is connected with your surroundings. You're happy because your surroundings. You're joyful because of right relationship with your Father. Faith, love, joy, hope all spring from your spirit being the hidden man of your heart, they're all products of your spirit life. The reason people do not have a rich, beautiful faith is because their spirit is denied the privilege of communion and fellowshipping with their father. Let's think about that a minute. Um, I said this, I think it was last week, I don't remember when I said it. You can spiritually die of starvation. You know that? The Bible's food. To the degree you love the Bible, the Word, is to the degree you love God. Um, 
I've often made a statement to people that you ought to go to church, and I'm going to say something. If you love God, they, wouldn't, they couldn't beat you out of here. But, that, that's a, but see, if you're, in, if you're not in fellowship, Christianity becomes a duty. You got to go again? No time we're going to go again. We already went once this week. Well, you've broken fellowship. You're in relationship. You will go to heaven. But I think something's missing, and I'm watching it in the body of Christ today, is I'm wondering how many people have actually been taught they can fellowship with their father. And there's nothing sweeter. And we'll get into that. I got some things I want to share with you that, I, that are precious. You understand me? If you don't read your Bible, and I'm not talking about a legalistic Bible course. I'm not. If you don't pour over it, live in it. See, you can't have a fellowship with the Father without a Bible open. You, you just can't do it. If you don't spend time in fellowship with your Father, consequently... Your spirit is depleted and weakened. Faith springs out of that. The, the faith that grows out of a sick plant. On the other hand, your spirit life is fortified and built up and enriched by communion with your Father, by reading the Word, and your spirit becomes strong and vigorous. There are issues from it, a faith that's triumphant and creative. I venture to say that men and women who are weak in faith that once were mighty in faith are so because they stopped feeding on the word and stopped close, intimate fellowship with their father. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I read that because I want, you to, I, I want you to think a little bit more tonight beyond just church, Bible, work. You know, um, if you can spend time with God and go broke, He's not God. You're not wasting time. Let's think about that a second. How could you think that if you took a day off of the week and went and spent time with God, your finances would go down? I'm going to tell you this. If you don't, your finances will go down. Because you can't maintain in the physical what God can do in the spirit. You're a spirit. God's a spirit. And he is life. In his presence is fullness of joy. Job was the richest man in the earth. We would call him Job Trump. <laughs> you know what happened to him after he lost everything and God restored it? Gave him twice as much. So God's not a socialist. Well, think about it. Once Job got back in fellowship, his income doubled. Now, I want to sit there and think about that for a few minutes. Why would he say, seek first the kingdom? To the degree you walk with God, you will be rich. To the degree you don't, Satan will eat your money. You may make it, but he'll eat it. And he'll steal it. Now, that may sound crazy. Amen? That's not my sermon at all. Let's go to Psalm 91. Now, let's say this is me. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I'll trust. Surely he'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Notice I'm going to change it to me for a minute. That's the way I read in my Bible. And from the perilous pestilence, he'll cover me with his feathers. Under his wings, I'll take refuge. His truth will be my shield and buckler. I'm, I'm not afraid of the terror at night. I'm not afraid of the arrow that flies by day. I'm not afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. There, there may be a thousand people fall at my side and 10,000 drop stone cold dead at my left, but it didn't come in near me. Only with my eyes will I look and see the reward of the wicked in this earth. Because I made the Lord my refuge, even the most high my dwelling place. No evil will befall me. There won't any plague come even near my house. He has given his angels charge. They're all around the corners of my property in this church. They charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. And in their hands they will bear me up even lest I dash my foot on a stone. I, I'm going to tread on the lion and the cobra, the young lion, the serpent. 
the devil and everything that he's got. I'm going to trample it under my feet. And God's talking now. Now, because he set his love on me, I'll deliver him. I'll set him on high. He knows my name. He'll call on me. I will answer him. I'm going to be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him. I'll honor him. And then with long life, he won't die early. I'll show him my salvation. Now, he's not talking here. Now, now I'm going to give you a word, and, and I want you to pay attention. There's a massive difference in the word relationship and fellowship. Now, I'm going to say this. I just want you all to hear my heart. I, am, I, I preach on relationship a, a lot also, who you are in Christ, what belongs to you. That's, that's yours. You have a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus. But what did he do that for? Well, we found out not so you can go to heaven. You're going to heaven. And I was talking to the class last night, and I kind of messed them up a little bit. Because I always ask the question, and I always get the wrong answer. Where are you going to be forever? And everybody just jumps up and goes, heaven! Really? So where is the millennial reign? It's here. So let's say the rapture takes place and it really is seven years. We'll just hypothetically call it that for the sake of we don't know. I know everybody thinks they know, but they don't. Jesus said he don't know the day, so I know you don't. <laughs> He's pretty close to God, so. <laughs> Isn't that funny? All right. So when you find out the date, tell Jesus he'd like to know. <laughs> Let's just say it's seven years. We go to heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, Bama Seat of Christ, whole nine yards. And then you come back. You have to take horseback riding lessons and all that, you know. Come back on horses. And we come back and we rule and reign here for a thousand years. Then it says he makes a new heavens, not, not the third heaven, not, not heaven heaven. The atmosphere is called heavens. There's three heavens. There's the air, the airplanes fly up there. Then there's the outer space, second heaven, and third heaven is where the throne of God is. So there's three heavens. Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven, not the second one. He didn't sit on Saturn and Mars and Moon, you know. And the demons are in the first heaven. They're not, they've been cast out of the third heaven, but not the first one. So, 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 so we're here. Now, what was I talking about? Good. I'm glad you're paying attention. So, so we're going to be here, and the Bible says he's making a new heaven, not, not a third one, and a new earth. Not, not he's making a new, he's not making a new firma. See, he didn't make all this and go, ah, and, you know, everybody said, well, the earth's coming to an end. No, it's not, not forever. God didn't make this that fragile. He didn't go to all that work and go, ah, let's make another one. This is here for eternity. Now, you might wonder how. I don't know. You know, I don't know everything. How, how long is the sun going to last? I don't know. Will you even need it? Maybe not. So, so what are you going to do in heaven? Well, then maybe it's your summer home. I mean, God never told you you only had to have one. That's the government of the United States told you that. Your mama told you that. But you don't have to have just one. He said if you serve him with houses, he'll give you houses. That means more than one. You have one here, one there. You don't want one in New York. You might want one in Tennessee and one in Texas and one in Hawaii, but you don't want one in New York. You don't want one in, the, in, um, in, in, in Oregon either. You don't want one in Oregon. <laughs> You might want one in Georgia. Of course, everybody wants a Florida house. But nobody said, you know, nobody said that you couldn't have one there, but you're not going to live there. You live here. So what is, what makes heaven heaven? That's where God is. That's why the kingdom of heaven is in you, because that's where God is. And if he ain't in you, you ain't in the kingdom. Okay. So the reason, the reason that he came 
was to bring you back to God. I want you to pop a scripture up here first. And when I'm going to, don't turn in your Bible, but just pop up Genesis 5.24. And I want to read, I want to show you something on the screen and we're going to go to, go to. As an Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I think that's a type of the rapture. And I think that that's also prophetic. That before Jesus returns, there would be people actually again walking with God on there. All right. But see, we were designed, God in the garden, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Now, now let's, 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 let's fix that. The word says in the Hebrew, in the wind, in the breeze. He didn't come down in the morning and night. So here's, here's the way people read that. God goes, getting hot down here, I'm leaving. Adam, you can sweat. When well, I'll be back when it cools down a little bit. So when they, when they wrote it, they said he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. No, it says in the literal Hebrew, if you look in the margin of your Bible, in the breeze. How long, how many hours during the day did God walk with Adam? 24 hours a day. And he didn't come and go. When you have children, are you only going to see them in the morning and night? Maybe if you get them to go to work. But God didn't get them to go to work. He, he worked and his work was done, so he sat down. So, so he made man for what reason? Fellowship. You have to have a relationship to have fellowship. But the, the reason for relationship is fellowship. Now, let me, let, let me explain that to you. I am in a relationship with a girl named Lisa. I didn't marry her to be my wife. I married her to be my friend. And I don't like friends who come and go. If I'm going to give her the checkbook, I'd like for her to stick around a while. Do you understand that? I mean, my whole point of I, if I didn't want fellowship, I'd have never gotten married. I got married because I want fellowship, and then I want little Daryls. We didn't name them that. We, we gave them other names, but they're little Daryls, whether you like it or not. And, and num, Daryl number two actually is a little bit like Lisa. He's got all of Lisa's musical skills, my hunting skills, my shooting skills. My preaching skills, Lisa's business sense, and I'm thinking he has got all of the both of us in one kid. I mean, that's a smart boy right there. He's a smart boy. Plus, he's pretty like Lisa. <laughs> I think he's got my hairline, but he won't figure that out for a little while. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things, one of the fun things about having kids, I, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have kids, they're not a burden Oh, oh, no, no, no. They're a ball. Come home at night and eat and make ice cream and go fishing and go to the beach with them. And it, folks, I'm telling you, if you ha I'm not talking about a house. I'm talking about a home. There's no word for home in the African language. Only house. Now, English gives you the word home. Because you got married and have kids for a home, not a house. You can have a house full of kids, but, but, but love makes it a home. Oh, God, God makes it a home. So he made his home in us, not a house in us. So, so I'm, I'm telling you, I was talking to my sister today um, on the phone, Robin, and, and we were talking about growing up, and she said something really funny to me. She said, have I ever apologized for being a, 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 a mean sister to you? And I said, well, no, I've actually forgiven you and forgot about it. I said, but you do remember I popped you in the eye one time. She said, I don't remember that either. And I said, that's good. <laughs> she was going to get her picture made. And she, you know, y'all remember the beehive hairdo? Y'all remember that? Yes. Betty, you remember the beehive hairdo? Bee. What in the world were y'all thinking? That's the ugliest hairdo I ever saw in my life. You wrap it up on your head. It looked like bees lived in that thing. So Robin was sitting in the front, and Robin thought she was my mama. Yeah, you don't. And I wasn't saved, so don't get, don't, don't get pharisaical on me. But, you know, I never have, like, nagging from anybody. 
especially a big sister. And, you know, she's in the front seat, and I just in the back seat, and I said, just, just be quiet. I said, shut up. And, bah, I just popped her. And, and her eyeball turned about as black as your shirt. Oh, when Mama got in the car, oh, hell broke loose. She, I could have called the HRS. That, my mother, that's child abuse the way she treated me when we got in that car. She beat the tar out of me. So anyway, I'm glad Robin's forgotten about it. Well, we were talking today about how much fun it was to sit around the Christmas tree and string popcorn. If, if y'all are buying all your stuff, stop. I mean, get the popcorn out, eat half of it, string the rest of it, and get the kids to hang it on the tree. Make memories. The stuff we did together as kids, we didn't know we were poor. We had a great family. We didn't have everything everybody else did, but, but we had each other, and there was a lot of love in our home, and mom did the best she could. And I'm going to tell you something. Family is very, very precious to me. My kids being around. Well, where do you think that came from in us? It came from God. God created you and saved you because he wants to walk with you. He, he just wants to be with you. I mean, there's more to it than that. He wants you to be productive in the whole nine yards. But he also, at times just wants you. I was, I was reading something by Rick Renner a while ago, and I, I don't know how to download it off my phone, but he said, if you become worldly, the Holy Spirit will become very jealous. Very jealous. And you'll know it. He don't like it. He paid a high price for your fellowship for you to be running off in the world and playing. And a lot of Christians don't realize that. You'll have this eh, inside of you. And you don't realize the Holy Ghost is going, I don't like it. I want you. I cherish my times with Lisa. We wake up in the morning and one of us makes coffee. She thinks I'm supposed to because of Hebrews. She thinks she wakes up in the morning she goes, you know Hebrews. And I make better coffee than her anyway, so... And I'll go in there and make a big pot of coffee and we'll go in the living room and crack our Bible out. Because we understand that once we walk out of the house, we don't, we don't have any idea what's going to hit us. So if we're going to have any time together, it's going to be first thing in the morning. You either, first thing or nothing. But, but that's a very precious time. So even now when she's gone, I'll text her in the morning. She'll go on the phone. We'll just spend a few minutes. But you know, do you think that, do you think God's like that? Do you ever just grab your Bible and sit down and go, hey, how are you doing? I just want to spend a few minutes with you. One of the dangers I've found pastoring is reading my Bible to get a sermon and not to spend it with God. I had to learn that. It was a while my spiritual life was drying up and I'm reading the Bible all the time. I had to learn that that's it's not the same thing. There's times I'm just going, are you getting a sermon? No, sir. I just want to be with you. Amen. So let's read this again, and then we're going to go to another one. He who dwells in a secret place. There is a secret place, and you need to create it. Now, can we get a little bit um, romantic? If you're not bearing fruit, you're not spending time with God. Women don't get pregnant alone. There's a secret place. I'm not getting kinky. But you need to understand when the Bible calls you the bride of Christ, it's not calling you all you men a female. It's just saying that there's a lot of things you want in life, and they're going to come out of the secret place. They're not coming out of your workplace. They're coming out of the secret place. 
Amen. And you're not going to get pregnant by yourself. That's weird. (laughs) If you think so, you're weird. Go to John 14. Let's read this. I told him this in the Bible school last night, and I thought it was very apropos for today. Because it's a scripture that's been misused. That's why I saw him out heaven a while ago. Uh, now, as I read this, we're going to talk about the fact that this scripture is not talking about heaven or mansions. It, but it doesn't mean there's not any. It just means there's not any mention of it in the Bible. All right, are you all out there? This Bible's not big. There's more to God than in this book. But that's what he wanted us to know. If he wanted you to know more, he'd have made the book bigger. But he made it so big now that some of y'all, it's still confusing you. And if it's really confusing, you come to my Bible school and you won't be confused very long. Is that right, Zach? We'll get it all straightened out. Excuse me. John 14, 1. Let's start there. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house, the word house in the Greek is the word presence. It should read this way. In my Father's presence are many dwelling places. Now, when they wrote it, they wrote it from a, they they translated it into English from Greek with a carnal mindset. See, to, to many Christians, everything is physical because they're carnal. See, when Adam sinned, His flesh took over, not a spirit man. He walked with God in the spirit. If you want to understand the Bible, you've got to walk in the spirit. God's a spirit, and you've got to read it in the Holy Ghost. If you try to read it in the flesh, you're going to put flesh in it. So, so there. Now, let's read this in the flesh. In my Father's house is many mansions. No, there's not. That's not what it says. In my Father's presence are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to add this because you'll see why I'm adding it. I'm going to make a place for you in God. Why is that? Because Adam lost it. Adam lost his walk with God. He lost his place in God. What needed to be restored was not real estate. Adam didn't lose a house. He lost the presence of God. So Jesus said, I'm going to leave now and I'm going to go and make you a place in God. Have you ever heard the term, if any man is in Christ, are you in him? In him I live and move and have I been. So when you were, when you were placed in Christ, Jesus was placed in Father. So what he did was he came to make a place for you back in God's presence. And he's not talking about when he returns during the millennial reign. He was talking about when he rose from the dead. I'm leaving. I'm going to make a place for you in God, and I'll be back. When? In three days. So I'm going to read it that way. I know some of y'all look at me going, but I want a mansion. Well, you can have one. I'm not saying there aren't. I mean, there's a lot of people that have gone and talked about the mansions. And Paul Younger Cho, that guy talking about his mansion. And Jesse Duplantis talking about his mansion. I'm not saying there's not a mansion. I just told you that this scripture doesn't say it. Right. Amen. Let's just read the Bible. What You know, if you want to have all these other theologies like your dog is going to heaven and all that. Yeah, I don't care what you believe. But just for right now, let's just read what the Bible says. And I'm not saying your dog's not there. Knowing God, he, your dog might be. And cats aren't. <laughs> no one owns a cat. Nobody owns a cat. Cats own people. I mean, I want you to go home tonight if you have a cat. Get the paper. Ah. I mean, just get one of them to do something. 
<laughs> Rub me. And if you have a cat and a dog, the cat will look around after it gets up off its lazy self and go hide someplace, and the dog comes by and slap him upside the head. Dogs don't, you know, dogs just... <laughs> there's, no, there's nobody's ever said, cat is man's best friend. I mean, ask a, ask a cat. Am I your best friend? Ah. You know, I got to tell you all this because I had a strange boyhood. My mom bought my sisters a poodle, a French poodle. I wanted a hunting dog. And they come home with this French poodle, miniature standard print, named him Prince. And they, they took him down and cut his fur and put bows on this dog. And, and he'd, I'd see him in the yard and I'd throw rock at it. Oh, stupid French poodle, you dumb dog, you. That dog loved me. Couldn't stand my sisters. Well, I throw rocks at it. But anyway, no dog wants to have bows in its head. So everywhere I'd go, that dumb dog would follow me. I'd throw rocks at it, and it'd just, <laughs> and down the river he'd go with me. And one day I'm down at the river and, and, a, and a leaf came down and Prince pointed at it. Now you see a French poodle pointing like a bird dog. It'll mess up your 12-year-old mind. That dog thinks he is a bird dog. I went home and I said, Mama, you're not going to believe what that dumb dog did today. Pointed. And my mother said, French poodles are hunting dogs. I said, I'll get out of here. She said the word poodle means water. But they're very temperamental because they can catch all childhood diseases. Mimples, mimples, measles, chicken pox. So only rich people owned them because you can't put them outside. You got to leave them in a the house. And they're very, they're crybabies. You, you, you holler at them, they'll cry. Literally, the poodle is the only dog that will actually cry tears. And he doesn't have fur, he has hair. Like you, until they go bald. No, I've never seen a bald poodle. So anyway, I got the bright idea, I'm going to teach this dog to hunt. Prince became my dog. Now, how would you like to be a boy growing up with a 22 rifle and a French poodle hunting dog? <laughs> I think God has a sense of humor. I'm, I'm praying for a hunting dog, and my sisters are praying for a poodle, and we both got a, and it became my dog. So my mom looked at me one day and says, you know, Prince waiting on you. And I, I, and I get to heaven, I'm going to look. If I see that big old black hairy thing come run up me, I'm going to go, there is a God. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my sermon, but I thought y'all would like to know all this. Isn't God good? See, I don't know. There, this book's not that thick. There's a lot not in here because you didn't need to know it now. It's enough that we got this. You, we're still, I'm still working on what I know. Forget what I don't know. I'm still trying to live what little I do know. I'm still stuck on love is patient with the kind part on the end of that. <laughs> I'll get there. Y'all pray for me. I'm actually, I'm thinking about go past that this year, one, one word. I don't know what it is yet. I don't know the rest of the scripture. I just know love is patient, love is kind. And when I get that down, I'll go to the rest. And let's read the rest of this. I'm going to go, verse 3, I'm going to go pre prepare a place for you in God. I'm going to come again where I receive to myself. And where I am, you can be there also. And where I go, you know, in the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> we don't even know how to get there. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this is the way we read it. No one goes to heaven but by me. That is not what it says. No one gets to who but by me? The Father. 
He's not talking about real estate. He's talking about getting back to God. No one comes back to the Father except through me. The whole point of your salvation was to bring you and I back into the presence of God. He's our daddy. You know, when I prayed in tongues, my first word, I remember, I remember they laid hands on me and I began to cry, Abba, Abba. That's Hebrew for daddy. I just began to cry out to my daddy in tongues. Isn't that precious? Your spirit man's crying out like a baby. Daddy, daddy, daddy. I think God's sitting there going, hey, that's my baby boy. You know, I think you're looking at me now and says, he's just now a big baby. He's not a big boy, he's just a big baby. Verse 7, if you'd have known me, you'd have known my father. And from now on you know him and you have seen him. Philip says, huh, you know, show us the father. It'd be sufficient for us. And he says, have I been you so long and you don't know me, Philip? He who's seen me has seen the father, so how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father's in me? And the words I speak to you, I'm not speaking of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me, I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or believe me for the very works themselves' sake. So God did all of that for us. Now, the, the, go to 2 Corinthians 6. I, I believe that the, one of the biggest problems we're having in Christianity right now is not a lack of faith or a lack of knowledge. Don't trade knowledge of God for walking with God. Now, I'm going to tell you a story before we read this about theology. I mean, I love studying my Bible. Right after I got, when I got saved, my, my, my time with God I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a dad. And when I got born again, God became my dad. And I know that may sound hokey, but to me, I didn't pray because, I prayed because God talked to me. And I talked, he'd come in the bedroom at night and, and just sit down and talk to me. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that this didn't happen to everybody. I thought it happened. To, I thought everybody who got saved went through this. I mean, we had some of the neatest conversations. I mean, one, one time he woke me up and said, uh, you want to go deer hunting today? Now, y'all can't even fathom God being daddy, want to go hunting? I said, yeah. I said, but it's 10 o'clock. He said, well, come on, I'll show you where the deer are. Now, you know, to me, that's more precious than, a, than you know, I'm not talking about he showed me just Bible. I mean, he showed me where deer were. Yeah. <laughs> so I went down in the woods, and he said, he sounded like Obi-Wan Kenobi. He says, follow your spirit, Luke. But Star Wars wasn't invented yet, so I didn't know that. And I went down in the woods, and he showed me by my spirit where the deer were. And I shot a buck, shot his antler off, and he ran away. And I hollered, and I said, my deer's running away. And the deer stopped and came back. I went, yeah. and nobody in the world would ever believe what I just saw. And he went in the bushes. I couldn't see him. And the Lord said, just shoot. And I went, I can't, I can't see it. Shoot anyway. Okay. And I shot. Nothing happened. I went, okay. And I snuck up to the bush. I shot the deer through the heart. And, 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 and I'm having a Holy Ghost fit out there. And the Lord says, from, the, from now on, I want you to learn what I showed you today, son, how to be led by your spirit. Because I'll show you a lot of stuff. But you know what's cool when your daddy takes you hunting? Right. Not God, my dad. And helped me get my 65 Chevrolet pickup truck running. Showed me on my Supersport why the windshield wipers didn't work. Drew a schematic for me in my head 
and showed me that the wiring on it operates by a ground system, not electricity. Electricity's in it all the time. And he showed me how electricity worked and showed me how to wire it back up right. I don't know anything about wet windshield wipers, but it's me and my daddy laying in a car working on it. Is that, do y- are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That's, that's the mindset I'm trying to get across to you. That's, that's how God raised me to what I'm doing today. And so one day I meet three Christian guys and I, I wanted fellowship with, with Christians. And these were denominational boys that were going to seminary. And so they were talking amongst each other and I, I walked up to them and was standing there like a kid in a candy store just trying to listen in on their conversation and they were using huge words. They were using words like righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, you understand when I first got saved, I never heard those three words in my entire life. I didn't even know what they were. And they're talking and they're ignoring me. I'm not there. And, and they're standing and, and they didn't open up and let me in. And, and so after a few minutes, I'm starting to feel like a left wheel. And so I'm standing there and I'm listening to this conversation and I have no idea what they're talking about. They're talking about Bible school. And so out of embarrassment, I just kind of said, "Uh, have a good day, guys. And uh, I backed up and I turned around and I walked up and I was a little hurt that they wouldn't even acknowledge that I stood there. And my father said, I said, I said, What do those words mean? And he said, it's not important now. Come, let's walk. And I turned around, and it hit me. They know words, and I know God. And and even though someday I would know words, don't ever forget that knowing God is way more important knowing how big the big words but just just walking with God is the reason you're here you're going to spend eternity with him I think I don't I don't think heaven should be the first time you meet him I mean I think we need to have some times here where we just come to church and just get in the presence of God you're going to have to work with me Because as long as you stay in teach mode, we won't go. Tell me something. I need you to get out of that mode a little bit and go, I just want to spend time with God. And put your clock down. Put your watch down. I'm going to show you scripture in a minute. But anyway, how how much time we got? Go to 2 Corinthians 6. Don't be afraid to read scriptures on holiness. You've already been made the righteousness of God. Stop being afraid of scriptures that tell you how to live right. If you're not there. Feed on the word and let the word change you. Alright. Verse 11, 611. O Corinthians, I've spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. In other words, you got your heart in something else. Now, in return for the same, I speak to you as children. You also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, there it is, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now, let's stop here for a minute and let's go holiness for a moment. You can't walk with God and the world. Are you all out there? I'm not. I'm not. The vast majority of Christians are so in bed with the world. Church is a pain in the butt to you. We got to go today. What do you think that makes God feel like? 
I mean, just imagine, I want you to imagine Lisa going, we went on a date last week. Not again. <laughs> really? I mean, I can give you a few months off if you want it, honey. Just leave the checkbook here. You know what I mean? I mean, that's offensive. I said, but. Um, I think there's too much of that going on. I don't know what the world has to offer you your father can't give you. He said, no good thing will I withhold from him who walks uprightly. You can't even imagine the things that God has done for us that we never even ask him for. He just does it and we go, "That that, that is absolutely cool. And it's so sweet that I know it came from him because I know I didn't do it. I could tell you stories, but I have to, yeah, yeah. You know, people are seeking money. I've had people give me, just walk up and hand me thousands of dollars. (laughs) It'll blow your mind when someone just hands you thousands of dollars. And I'm not putting a plea into you. (laughs) But I love giving. God knows I love giving. Oh, I told the Lord one day and, and, um, when I first started learning about giving, he said to me, he said, I said, you mean if I give, it'll be given back? He said, yeah. And I said, what if I never tell anybody? He said, go for it. I went, I'm going to see if this works. Because I see preachers all the time. They, they give and then they tell you. Why don't they shut up? I mean, if the word works, why do you have to tell everybody? I gave $10,000 and I'm leaving for a hundredfold return, sister. What are you saying it for? All right. So one day I started giving. I would give it and I'd watch it. And then when it would come back, I'd go, all right, let's up it. I mean, this is me and God playing a game. I wanted to see if seed made, if, if corn made corn. So I had a very nice watch. And I'm sitting here on a Sunday morning, and I went, okay, God. I mean, it's just me and him playing a game. I took my watch off, and there's somebody in the church, and I just walked up and said, I'm going to give you something. And I handed him my watch. And it was a pilot's watch. And then I walked away and I went, trump that. (laughs) I was just playing with God. About a week or two later, a man that came to the church doesn't anymore was sitting there and he said, Pastor, you're going to think I'm a little strange. But I was in the jewelry store yesterday and I swear the Lord told me to buy you a watch. And it was real nice. And he went, touche. <laughs> I mean, y'all, y'all, have, y'all are missing something, not knowing him. I mean, we're up there playing this who can outdo each other giving game. I'm not saying nothing to nobody. Now, here's one. Buy somebody coffee you don't know. And say, there you go, God. And watch how long it is before a total stranger buys you a cup of coffee. And a donut. (laughs) A coffee latte. I mean, you just, it's fun. But you get to just play with God. Let me tell you another story. We're going to do this all night, so y'all just hold on. When I I first got born again, I, I learned about faith in God and I was reading a book and um, Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 whatever you desire when you pray believe you receive you shall have it 
if you shall ask anything according to my will, you give it to me. And I went to God, and I, I took those scriptures to him. And I said, I'm going to read your Bible to you. And I read it to him. And I said, I need $1,000. I, li- I had made a list of all the stuff I needed for my pickup truck. And, um, and a new pair of jeans and, and other stuff. And I went to the Lord and I prayed and, and, in, and in like two or three days, nothing happened. And I went back and I said, you know, I brought my request to you. I need a thousand dollars. And he said, can we talk about that? I said, I guess we can. And he quoted a scripture to me. He said, let's reason together. I went, all right, tell me what's on your mind. He said, I'm not your banker. I'm your father. He said, I would prefer you to pray over your list and not turn me into a banker. I said, okay. I will do that. So I got my list out and put Mark 11, 23 and 24. I needed a bed in my truck because my pickup truck, if you threw something in the bed, it would hit the ground. Well, you remember the old wooden slats? This one had wooden slats, but it didn't have anything anymore. You just couple pieces of metal in a, in a rear end down there. So I'm, on first on the list was I, I need a new bed and I need wood and I need bolts. I mean, I wrote down I need 12 bolts, uh, 12 nuts, 12. I mean, I got specific with God. I said, now I need a new transmission and a new rear end. Rear end was shot. Transmission always jumped out of first gear. You, you know, when you're in first gear, that's fine, but you got to hold it because you're going, boom, it's going to jump out. It was on the column. It's going to boom, jump out. And I said, I need some Levi's, some blue jeans. I need some food. And um, what else? Tires. I needed tires. Y'all heard about in the story last night. My tires were gone. My wheels. I always wanted Really big wheels. I wrote it down. I want some really big wheels. Now I'm just, this is just me and my daddy. And I'm making me a list. And so the, the, the guys heard it last night, the story last night, and I just want to tell it again today. So, so I'm driving through Athens, and, and the Lord said, pull in here. This man has your wheels and tires, and he wants your toolbox. I said, okay. I pull in. I, don't, I mean, I'm in a shop. I don't, I've never been in this place in my life. And I walked up, and the man walks up. What you need? I said, I heard. Now don't tell him God said. You, you, you don't really need to mess everybody up. I said, I have a friend. Wasn't lying. That told me you had some tires and wheels, and I've got something I want to swap you for it. He said, who told you? I said, well, friend. I said, I have a toolbox. He said, who told you that? He said, as a matter of fact, I do have tires and wheels. And as a matter of fact, I do want one of those old toolboxes. You know the kind that on the side of your truck to lift up? I mean, I didn't need it. I don't have any tools. I don't want to work on no truck. So he comes out and takes toolbox off and throws me two, you remember the white, the white rims are, they're, they're like 14 by, by 12 wide and, and they got these wicked big tires on them, threw them in the back of my pickup truck and, and I got three quarter ton springs and put it underneath that Chevy and just jacked the whole back of that thing up. <laughs> mean Chevy, man, just, and, um, and so I, I put them on there, and then, and um, and so I, I I don't I forgot how I came on the transmission, but something else happened, and Gray Bennett had an old GMC school bus transmission, and I don't remember what I gave him for it, but somehow or another I gave him something he wanted, and he and we put it in my truck. Now let me tell you something: if you've never seen a a first gear. School bus transmission and a pickup truck. It will stand it up. It won't go but four miles an hour because it's first, you know, it's made for a school bus. 
and you put it in first gear and go, whoom, you go, almost stand up on you. It's worthless, but it's fun. <laughs> and, and I had this thing, and it wouldn't fit in my truck, and I had to take a torch and bend it so the, it went like here and over here and up here. And so I'm riding down the road like this <laughs> with, a, with this transmission in this truck. And so I got a new rear end. And um, so anyway, I'm at work one day, and this guy walks up and says, I know this sounds crazy. Do you need bolts? <laughs> I said, yes. He said, well, I just happen to have some. And he's the bolt man for certainty he'd bring bolts in. He said, I just had it in my heart to give you whatever you want. I pulled my list out and I said, I need 12 carriage bolts, four inches long. I need washing. And I just told him what I need. He came and gave them to me. Then the guy next door was a skinny guy. He's skinnier than Megan. He's skinny. And someone for Christmas gave him some big old blue jeans, about 32 in the waist. And he'd fall off that boy. Back then I was 32. Not 32 now. I'm like about 34 now, 36. With a lasty man in it, you know. And he knocked on the door and said, you know, this may be crazy, but someone gave me these Levi's for Christmas and they don't fit me at all. Had the sticker on them. Perfect fit. And the next day someone gave me a garden. Potatoes and tomatoes and corn and a one-acre garden full of food. Within like a week and a half, everything on the list. Oh, the boards. I went to the lumber yard and I said, I need wood. He says, I got some old oak wood over here I'll give you because it's got bark on it. He said, just throw it in your truck and take it home. So I, I got everything for either free or swap. And God just answered my prayer. But it, I want to go back to what he said. He said, I'm your dad. And see, I kind of learned after that, I don't always have to have the money. I just need what it is I'm praying about. And sometimes it doesn't come the way you think it will. Sometimes it comes, you don't tell him how to do it. I know some of y'all got it all figured out how God's going to do it. And it ain't, he may not do it the way you think he's going to do it, but he will do it. All right, let's move on. Second Corinthians 6, let's finish this. Is it, are we done? No, we're not done. I'm not anywhere near done. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for you are the temple of the living God, for God said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them. I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. God does not want you to look, walk, talk, and act like the world. You're his kid, and he'll take care of you. But he does want you to walk with him. I hope you're getting this. Um, be separate. I don't want Lisa playing with the world. I want her to be mine. Are y'all out there? Do you want your spouse to have, how many boy boyfriends do you want your wife to have? God don't want his wife to have a bunch of boyfriends. Don't shout me down. Be separate, says the Lord, and don't touch what's unclean. I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord all by you. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, Cleanse yourself from filthiness of your flesh and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Now, I don't have time. I'm out of time. First John talks about, go to Isaiah 40. I'm going to close with this. First John talks about fellowshipping with God. It's not about relationship. It's about fellowshipping. And God really wants your fellowship. Isaiah 40. And we'll close with this. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, 29, he gives power to the weak, and those that have no might, he increases strength. 
Even the youths faint and are weary. Young men utterly fall. But those that wait on the Lord, the word wait is minister. Like a waiter. It's the word, they tried to give the word wait, but it's really waiter. Those who minister to the Lord, and the word renew is the Greek, the Hebrew word swap. Now let's read it that way. They that minister to the Lord, he swaps strength with you. Now you have no, you, y'all, are y'all getting that? This is what, this is what the church needs. You don't need to be doing everything in your strength. You, you cannot live the Christian life without God. And I'm not talking about a relationship. I'm talking about fellowship. You spend time with God. You pick your Bible up and go, I'm just going to spend some time with the Lord. When that happens, you're ministering to him, but to the degree you're ministering to him, he's sending it back. And he's given you his strength. Now, the next time you say, "Ah, I'm tired, why don't you get your Bible and go spend time with God? You're not designed to run on physical strength all your life. It'll, it'll wear you out. And, and, and I'm going to get it real personal now. That's why y'all are saying, God, we got to go to the beach. <laughs> well, you wore yourself out, and I'm going to go on the beach. ain't going to do you any good. Don't shout me down. You might, <laughs> if you go to the beach with a Bible, you say, I'm going to go to the beach so nobody will find me. Lynn Hammond said that one time, she said, I had to fight to spend time with God, so I would get in my car, pull it out in the driveway, get a blanket and get in the back seat and get under it where nobody would know where I was. You have to fight for time. The devil don't want you spending, boy, he don't want you spending time with God. And I mean, you decide you're going to. I'm going to tell you, every time you think you're going to do it, all hell break loose. Phone will ring. Somebody call you up on the phone. Listen, you don't, you don't have to answer every phone call. If God meets all your needs, there ain't nobody on the phone. <laughs> if he's your doctor, ain't nobody on the phone. If he is your banker, ain't nobody on the phone. <laughs> Money, money, money. You said I had to go fast. Money, money, money. There is more to There's so much more I want to do. There's so much more I want to do with you and for you. And you've said, I need money. <laughs> no. You don't need money. You need me. But because of Lati, everything you see, I made it. And I told you in the Word, if there's anything lacking, I would even make that for you. So in me, there is no such thing as lack. So tonight, I'm drawing you back into fellowship with me. Come into my throne room. Spend time with me. And let's work out these issues you have. I've been waiting a while for some of y'all to come back. Just spend time with me, says God the Father. Say amen. Isn't that sweet? I, I kind of thought that maybe I would spend some time tonight and talk to you about the time I went to heaven. I'm not going to do that again right now. I wouldn't. I asked him, did he want me to do that? And apparently not. I have a book here called Visions Beyond the Veil. I brought it because I think very soon I need to talk to you about the demonic influence that you have around you. You cannot pretend it is not there. 
So I'm going to say one more thing before I leave. If, you're, if you've gotten aware you're not in the Word and you're not praying, somehow or another you have opened a door to a spirit. I don't mean you're possessed. I just mean you opened a door. You're going to need to get it off you. Because, because if you're in fellowship with God, you love your Bible and you love church. If that's gone, it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you need to drive some devils off. Because when they start coming around you, you lose your joy. Now, I was going to read that to you and show you that in this book, they talked about every time they saw someone that couldn't pray through, they'd always see a demon by them. Just take authority. You just get off me, you foul devil from hell. You just get off me. You're not here. So you're in a spiritual war, and the devil will try to stop your fellowship with God. Because he knows. You walk with God, you are deadly. And he can't do anything about it. So he'll try to hinder it. Don't get in condemnation. Just deal, just deal with it in the spirit. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. If there is anyone in the sound of my voice right now that is dealing with apathy, with coolness, I take authority over that spirit. Drive it off of them in Jesus' name. And I ask you to draw your church back to yourself. Because right now, more than anything on this earth, we need you. And we're looking forward to your return. But until then, we're choosing to just walk with you. Amen. Well, I'll see you Sunday morning. God bless every one of you. Have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.